You're about to listen to the IC News podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget, our show can only succeed with your support. Tell your friends. Share the link around on social media. Leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And while we have your attention, take a second to hit that subscribe button. That way, you'll get a brand new episode each and every Saturday. If you're enjoying the show enough to want to support it, check out the link to our Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash I see you stories. For just a pound or so a month, you'll get early access to every episode of the show as soon as it's finished, as well as early access to the Monday stories on the I see you Facebook page. You're listening to I see news, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Donald Trump appears to commit a felony by urging his supporters to vote for him twice, which is ambitious as most of them struggle to count to two. Footballer and activist Marcus Rashford starts a task force aiming to end food poverty among the nation's children. And yeah, you're right, that does feel like the kind of thing a government should be doing. Gavin Williamson writes an open letter to parents insisting schools are safe but is immediately marked down three grades for the shoddy use of an unreliable narrator. And finally, actor John Boyega says he was pushed to the side by Disney in the last Star Wars film, meaning he presumably ended up in the same cupboard as a coherent plot, believable character development and a satisfactory ending. Hello and welcome to the first day back here at IC News. Please stick to the left-hand side of the corridor, observe social distancing at all times, wash your hands thoroughly whenever moving between your bubbles, and try to remember that the entire educational system exists only to train you to be subservient to the whims of an exploitative system that values your contribution to the economy more than your personal health and happiness. Oh, and don't forget to turn to page 84, where you'll find a message telling you to turn to page 49, where you'll then be told to turn to page 37, where you will find out that you are, apparently, a gay. It's the best years of your lives, kids. It's all divorce and a paralysing sense of existential dread from here. This week, here on Earth Prime, the kids are back at school following the utter clusterfuck of the results fiasco. As the nation's youth recover from teetering on the brink of total disappointment with regard to their future prospects, this week the government seemed determined to set an example to the most disillusioned. It's always encouraging for the kids to see that a complete lack of charm or talent needn't necessarily be an obstacle to obtaining a highly paid job as an advisor to the UK's Trade Secretary. This week, ministers rushed to defend former Australian Prime Minister and all-round contemptible arsehole Tony Abbott as the news emerged that he was to be appointed to a board of trade experts advising Liz Truss. The ability to pop an erection at the sight of a drowning migrant seems to be the only criteria needed to get a foot in the door with the UK government these days. But who exactly is Tony Abbott, and why is he being lined up for such a pivotal role in Britain's post-Brexit trade negotiations? Here at IC News, you only get the job if you're the right man for it. For some expert insight, we now go live to our trade correspondent, Che Burnley. I cannot fucking believe you. Sorry, Che, I think there might have been a bit of interference on the line there. Uh, did you say you can't hear me? No, I said I can't fucking believe you. This is the bullshit you throw to me for. On this week of all weeks, the week that we lose Black Panther, 
Whoa, hang on a minute there, Jay. The death of Chadwick Boseman was obviously huge and tragic news, but last time we had you on, you made it very clear you didn't want to simply be our go-to voice for... Hang on, what's the uh, what's the what's the PC way of putting it? Stories of black origin. So boat pieces is, is is that what we're going for? Oh, for God's sake! Do you think we can have one conversation where you don't tie yourself into awkward white knots trying to appease me? First of all, you are right. I don't want to be the token black man who gets wheeled out just to excuse your bullshit and justify your agenda. We can save that sideshow act for the Republican convention. Secondly, fuck you. This isn't just any story. It's Black Panther we're talking about here. Let's just say, if I gave you a choice on a week where both of them were in the news, what would you rather talk about? Tony Stark or Tony Abbott? Well, um, Tony Stark, I guess. Exactly. Or Tony Collette. Or Tony Martin. Or Tony the fucking Tiger. Any one of them deserves to be in the news over the government's latest distraction tactic. That Boris Johnson is hiring a misogynist who doesn't believe in climate change, who's only famous for being too racist for even Australian politics, isn't news. It's it's standard operating procedure for this government. It's cronyism and press-baiting right-wing posturing that gets you through the door, not talent. Tony Abbott would love it if he pushed a successful black man's legacy off the news. If he could, he'd put it back on the boat and shove it out to sea himself. That's his legacy. Well, I'm not having it, mate. Fuck Tony Abbott. T'Challa's dead, mate. I just thought, after all the discussions we've had in the past, that this time you might want to... Well, you overthought it. And you're wrong, Sam. Just be quiet, will you? The news this week that Chadwick Boseman had passed away after a four-year battle with cancer was a massive shock. And not just because he'd kept his struggle with the disease completely private up until now. It was a shock because his legacy as both an actor and an advocate for the voices and stories of the black community matters. Representation matters. I took my kids and my parents to see Black Panther. Three generations all taking something different from it, but still having the same connection. Seeing yourself represented in a positive way on screen. Not as a slave, the pimp, the hoe, the comedic relief, the magical negro, the first to die, thug number two, rasta, dealer, criminal, but as the heroes the majority of the cast and the focal point of the film. Black Panther was the first time black kids all over the world could look up and see themselves as a Marvel superhero on the big screen. Actually, technically, Blade was the first black Marvel superhero on the big screen. Blade doesn't fucking count, Sam. Wesley Snipes ruined his legacy. Oh, right, with the tax evasion. No, with the third one. Yeah, fair enough. The reason Bozeman's death hit so hard for so many wasn't just that it seemed so unjust when he was so young and so talented and worked so hard. It it wasn't just that he'd produced some incredible work and at the same time battled a terrible disease without once complaining about it. It wasn't just that he visited ill kids in hospital while staying himself without ever saying a word. It was also that he took it upon himself to be part of the telling of authentic black stories in an industry that is all too often reluctant to see them as worthy or profitable enough. He stood up for black voices in a world that too often shouts them down. He retold the stories of black pioneers like Jackie Robinson and James Brown, and he brought them to life for a new generation. He showed the racists that he could carry a big, daft superhero movie as well as any white man could, and he showed Hollywood that he could carry them all the way to the bank. We're looking at a world where being black and speaking up and demanding to be heard can get you attacked in the street. We're looking at a world where the police can kill you in your sleep and pressure your partner to label you as a criminal to justify your murder. The black community need their voices now more than ever. Chadwick Boseman's was a loud and proud one, and the power of his legacy should not be underestimated.
Well said. And Che? What, Sam? Wakanda Don't forever. you fucking dare. Fair enough. Sorry. Fucking hell, mate. It's almost impressive how wrong you manage to gauge this every time. <sighs> I'm Che Burnley, reporting for IC News. Rest in peace, King. It's not just famous Australian bigots that the government have tried to get back into work this week. The Great British return to the post-lockdown rat race has been a markedly slower one than elsewhere in Europe, with many Brits continuing to work from home rather than returning to the office. But why are we being such fannies about getting back to work in the middle of a pandemic? We sent Alison June-Smith to find out. Ah, the great British office. Breathe it in. The smell of microwaved fish and body odour. The buzz of the electronics. The tap-tap-tap of the never-ending data entry. The bitches you hate gossiping at the water cooler. Almost definitely talking about you. Just because you drank too much and threw up on a homeless guy's dog at the office party. They're a great depressing British institution. And now, the government wants us to get back to work and fill them up once more. If you're anything like me, you'll have been working from home since the lockdown was first announced. Over the last few days, the Tories have begun a slow-burn national campaign aimed at nudging Britain back into its physical places of work. As the furloughed scheme begins to wind down and the job losses start to well and truly bite... Concerns about the viability of the high street seems to be high on their list of concerns. We've saved the NHS. Now, it's time to save Pret a Manger. If you're a millennial or a member of Generation Z, you might be slightly confused at the 180 the tables have just turned on you. Remember last year, when the Daily Mail was telling you that all those overpriced coffees and smashed avocado toasts you spent your money on were the reason you couldn't afford a house? Well, you're not buying them, and it turns out now it's your fault the economy is falling apart. Here's the rub, though. The way technology is progressing... Remote working was always going to be a huge part of our economy's future. The pandemic has simply accelerated that shift. Employers are now realizing that they can make a savings on office space and give their workers more flexibility without affecting their productivity. Funnily enough, lots of us are more than happy to cut a two-hour commute out of our shitty day. And that happiness has a positive impact on our output. And to that, the financial uncertainty that millions of us are facing in Britain's post-pandemic future, the sheer expense of traveling to work when we know we don't have to, seems completely illogical. Why would we volunteer to let train companies continue to tape more and more sandpaper to the dicks they fuck us with when we can stay in our pajamas and cut them out of the equation? On top of all that, it's often greener to stay home. If the only emission you're producing is the occasional fart in front of Netflix, it's better for the planet. The genie of home working is well and truly out of the bottle, and it's going to be hard for Rishi Sunak to cram him back in. Nobody wants to see further job losses on the high street, and there are plenty of benefits to proper face-to-face -face interaction, including our own mental health. But a complete return to office working isn't viable for all businesses when they're also expected to adhere to COVID-secure measures like social distancing. 
We have to move towards a more flexible way of working, and unfortunately, adaptability just isn't a feature of our system. Conservatives expect you to turn up at the crank and wind it every day until you either drop dead or you're too old to be useful. That's why I've come here. To Earth Alpha Uniform Told You So 13. Here, a four-day working week means it's easier for people to physically return to work on a more staggered basis. On top of that, those still working from home can do so effectively and efficiently. Thanks to nationalized high-speed broadband, huh, turns out both of those ideas have real potential to benefit our future economy. If only somebody back home on Earth Prime had the vision to suggest them months ago, maybe we wouldn't be facing such a fucking mess. I'm Allison June Smith, just waiting for the Tories to announce their latest U-turn, reporting for IC News. Now, from work to leisure, and if you're anything like me, when you sit down at the end of a hard day of work and turn on the idiot box, you'll be sick of the endless parade of left-wing propaganda being pumped out through the nation's light entertainment. Personally, I can't sit through a single episode of Mrs. Brown's Boys without finding myself enraged by its woke liberal sensibilities. Thankfully, there's a new sheriff in town at the BBC, and its new director-general Tim Davey has set out his stool early on, setting his sights on the broadcaster's apparent glut of left-leaning and anti-Brexit comedy shows. But is comedy on the BBC too left-wing? And is there a bias among the media against right-wing voices in entertainment? We now go live to our resident conspiracy theorist, Danny Sutcliffe, to find out. Hiya, pal. First of all, I think it's important to point out particularly on a clearly biased left-wing propaganda podcast like this piece of shit, that comedy is not exclusively the realm of the left. PC culture is strangling free expression in this country. I, for one, can't wait until we get Jim Davidson back on the telly and hosting Live at the Apollo. Just imagine the crowd work he'd get out of June Sarpong. I'd really rather not. Or maybe this new, unbiased BBC will get Graham Linehan's new sitcom out. You know, the one where a man in his 50s throws his entire career away out of irrational self-disgust born of his overwhelming sexual desire for trans women. He's been trying bits of the scripts out on Mum's Net. Any good? It's not very funny, but he's not got Matt Berry on board yet. Anything's funny in his voice. Yes, I can oppress you, Trans Fandango. <laughs> See? Told you. And you've perfectly addressed me point. For too long now, the BBC have bowed down to censorship and left-wing cancel culture, and it's about time they redress the balance. By cancelling left-wing comedy shows and censoring left-wing comics. Exactly. It's absolutely ridiculous that we're missing out on right-wing voices because of box-ticking and political correctness. And positive discrimination. How many times do you reckon Roy Shubby Brown has missed out on a spot on Mock the Week because it went to a one-legged polyamorous transvestite instead? Hundreds, I'll wager. They should do something about it. Well, what do you suggest? Well, just enforce a quota system. Make sure you have at least one bigger on every panel show. Right, and that's not positive discrimination? We've got to rebalance the scales somehow. Personally, I think one woman every six weeks is too many. Well, you don't see the complete hypocrisy of that, then. And it doesn't remotely worry you that one of the first things on Tim Davies' agenda is a vocal opposition to even the most pathetically gentle mockery of the government. Of course it doesn't. The BBC's supposed to be impartial, a broadcaster for the people. 
How can it possibly claim to be when it so relentlessly goes after those in power? The government of people too, Sam. And if they want to own the BBC, that's all part of the agreement that comes with paying their licence fee. Which even those that are over 75 in the House of Lords do now, by the way, even though they've barely got 300 quid in expenses a day to rub together. It's a fucking disgrace. Well, I've got to say, this is surprising, Danny. I'd have thought you, a man so deeply distrustful of the state and propaganda in general, would have found a move towards politicising comedy in favour of those that are already in power deeply troubling. Well, then you've missed the point, Sam, which is that comedy should always be about speaking truth to power. If you read the Telegraph, you know where the power truly lies in this country. It isn't with a government and cabinet composed of bootlicking incompetence determined to crash the country's economy on the altar of Brexit. They're the victims of this story. Well, who does the power lie with then? Why, immigrants, single mums, left-wing comedians and Remainers on benefits. That's who. Oh, for fuck's sake. We're looking towards a post-Covid economy, my mate, which is why I'm looking to reposition myself in the market. If the BBC's comedy output is going right-wing, I'm cashing in on it. From now on, I'm going to be the UK's only right-wing comedian taking part in a satirical podcast, and you should be fucking thanking me for it. Oh yeah, why's that? Think about it, mate. If they can the mass report, they'll be desperate for any old shit to fill the gap. And if I'm on here doing jokes about immigrants, you're much more likely to get a foot in the door. Danny, if we ever get on the BBC, there is literally zero chance they will ever let you imply that a certain member of the royal family might be a nonce. Oh. Well, well that's one of my favourite things to do. I know it is. And, and it's important that I get to suggest it. Because he is one. I know, Danny. And you see why this sort of move is potentially dangerous now? And do you really want Jim Davidson back? Nobody really wants Jim Davidson back, Sam. I think it's probably best if we just keep on doing what we're doing and don't worry about trying to appeal to the BBC, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And what is it we do, Danny? Appeal to 12 people and hope our minuscule reach protects us from libel lawsuits. Well, I was hoping for just taking the piss out of everyone, but yeah, that that works too. Okay. I'll, um... I'll stop working on all this June Sarpong material, then. I think that's probably for the best. Sam? Yes, Danny? He definitely is a nonce, though. I know, Danny. I know. Danny Sutcliffe there, everybody. About as welcome on Radio 4 as a dinghy full of children in Pretty Patel's koi pond. That brings us neatly to the end of our scheduled broadcast. It's the end of the day now, kids, so why don't you go drink cider and finger each other in a garage, thus rendering all that bubble shit your teachers have been tearing their hair out over completely pointless. We leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. Boris Johnson says testing for coronavirus at airports would give passengers a false sense of security, which is an add-on Ryanair normally charge 35 quid for. Germany claims indisputable proof Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny was poisoned with Novichok, in a scandal that is set to shock literally fucking nobody. Filming of The Batman is halted after star Robert Pattinson tests positive for coronavirus. Turns out it wasn't just the voice making him cough. And finally, Reading and Leeds festivals announced they will be doubling their main stages next year meaning they will now be able to annoy twice as many Red Hot Chili Peppers fans the next time they book a black headliner. 
You've been listening to IC News. Thank you and goodbye. You've just been listening to the IC News podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support can we reach more people and build a larger audience. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.